Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. You're listening to Radio Rounds, a talk show created and hosted by medical students, where today's stories are told by tomorrow's doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Imran Ali. Coming up on today's show, loss to follow-up is a notation we sometimes see in the patient's chart. But what exactly does this mean personally to a family and to a young doctor? Today, Pulse, Voices from the Heart of Medicine, explores how patient adherence is more than just a principle. Welcome to Radio Rounds, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Imran Ali. Continuing with our special series of narratives published in Pulse magazine, an online publication that shares personal accounts of illness and healing, fostering the humanistic practice of medicine, and encouraging healthcare advocacy. Today, we look at the story of Dr. Justin Sanders, entitled Deja Vu, about his experience with a patient that not only tests his patients, but also shows the lengths a doctor must take to ensure that their patients are well taken care of. The concern for a patient's welfare goes well beyond the office visit and begs for follow-up. This piece throws out the treatum and streetum mentality. Deja Vu by Justin Sanders It looked like the skin of an orange, peau d'orange in medspeak. My fellow interns and I had heard about it in medical school. Some had even seen it before. As our attending physician undraped Mrs. Durante's breast one sunny morning during our first month as interns, we knew that what we were seeing was bad. Mrs. Durante wore a hospital gown and a brightly colored headscarf. She looked like a child lying in the bed, small, delicate, and demure. Her face was pretty, voiced soft and deep. By contrast, the mass rounding out the side of her right breast bulged aggressively. It was firm to the touch reddish against her olive skin. When asked, she said it hurt. Timidly, we interns explored the edges with gentle, overextended fingers. In Mrs. Durante's armpit, we felt a nest of firm nodules, lymph nodes nurtured on a diet of cells growing out of control. Cancer often hides. Here, it was thriving in plain sight. To my surprise, Mrs. Durante had an air of calm detachment, as if the breast we were examining belonged to someone else, as if the pain were not her own. What became evident that morning was not just the power of cancer, but the power of denial. Mrs. Durante knew something was wrong, but had hidden it from her siblings, her husband, and her three children. She'd watched the lump grow under her skin until the stretching and inflammation became too uncomfortable to ignore. Then she'd sought treatment for pain. Now, with her pain relieved, she lay in bed watching TV, calling her friends and family, and never mentioning her cancer. Her hospital stay was short. We made an appointment with an oncologist, found her a primary care doctor, and sent her home. Near the end of that year... I arrived at the hospital one morning to find that Mrs. Durante had returned. Reviewing her chart, I learned that despite several readmissions for pain, she never visited the oncologist. She had gone to her primary care doctor only for pain medication and had come to the hospital because it was no longer effective. I was struck by her appearance. At first glance, she looked much as she had at our first meeting, 
but her bright, multicolored headscarf and shy smile belied the destruction beneath her hospital gown. Examining her, I saw that her cancerous breast had grown larger, more firm, and red. Her neck skin was taut with underlying cancer, her belly swollen with metastases. Why, I wondered, had she not sought treatment? I found her passivity maddening and puzzling. Our initial treatment plan had formed a simple picture of hope, that medicine could conquer her cancer, could restore her. Her denial of it, of us, had shattered that hope. I could barely hide my frustration. Miss Durante, I asked, what do you think will happen if you don't get treatment for your cancer? I won't be here anymore, she said. Could dying be as simple as that? I wondered, and then pressed on. And how do you think that will be for your family? She only shrugged, with a glimmer of sadness. I pleaded with her to meet with the oncologist to discuss her treatment options. I just want to get my chemotherapy and go home, she said. I don't want to have to meet first to talk about it. In my short career, I'd worked with hospice patients. I held people's hands as they took their last breath. But never had I felt so acutely that I was watching someone die right before me. I could practically see her disappearing. I wanted to yell at her to come back to reality. Finally, Mrs. Durante agreed to meet with the oncologist. We arranged to discharge her the next morning directly to her appointment in the oncology clinic downstairs in the same building. I asked her if I could tell her family her diagnosis, and she consented. They were shocked and galvanized. They promised to accompany her to the appointment. Relief flooded through me. The next morning, Mrs. Durante's brother called. They were late, but en route. Mrs. Durante declined my offer to escort her downstairs, so I told her that her family would meet her at the oncology office. Watching her leave, I wondered if I had done enough to corral her into therapy, or if that was even the right thing to do. Ten minutes later, her sister called. We just saw Stella walking away from the hospital. Is she finished with her appointment? No, I said. Can you get her and bring her back? Five minutes later, another call. She says she went to the appointment already and got her chemotherapy. No, she didn't, I said incredulously. Can you try to convince her to come back? Frantically, I called the oncology clinic to say that Mrs. Durante was on her way. They said that they would still see her. The other day, a young lady of 16 years walked into my clinic room complaining of a sore throat. Her name was Flora. Tall, thin, and shy, she wore a headscarf. She had all the symptoms of strep throat, fever, white patches on her tonsils, and swollen, tender lymph nodes. While waiting for the strep test result, I asked her who she lived with. My stepfather and my brother and my sister you may have known my mother, Stella Durante. She died in September. For a moment, I caught my breath. The image of the bright headscarf and white sunlit hospital blankets flashed through my mind. I did know your mother, I said. I'm sorry to hear that she died. How have you been since that happened? She shrugged. Suddenly, I felt her mother there in the room. Despite a normal test result, Flora's symptoms convinced me that she should be treated with antibiotics. Because of her age, or because of my memories of her mother, 
I feared that she might not complete the 10 days of pills. I recommended a penicillin shot. Minutes later, the nurse knocked on my door. Flora was refusing the injection for fear of the pain. I went to where she sat. Seeing her familiar, somewhat blank expression, I felt a surge of alarm. I'm sure it won't hurt as much as you think, I said, mustering authority. Not as much as that sore throat. I reflected uncomfortably that I wasn't too sure this was true. If you absolutely cannot do it, I can give you the medicine by mouth, I finished. But I really think you should take the shot. She finally agreed, and I shut the door behind me, praying she wouldn't change her mind. Later, after writing my notes, I felt the adrenaline rush fading away. A penicillin injection had never felt so urgent. An image of Flora's mother came to mind. She was walking down the street, untreated. I didn't ever want that to happen again. That narrative was from the experiences of Justin Sanders, a family medicine resident in the New York metropolitan area. Look forward to more pieces from Pulse magazine throughout this season. In the meantime, remember that you can download podcasts of all past episodes. Just search the iTunes store for Radio Rounds or visit www.radiorounds.org. You can also contact our team via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All that information is at radiorounds.org. Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. Sponsored by the American Medical Association. Providing group disability and life insurance to students and residents through participating educational institutions. Visit us at medplusadvantage.com. Radio Rounds is also proudly partnered with the Student Doctor Network. Online at studentdoctor.net. Find answers to your questions about medical school or residency programs. Ask questions in our online forum and get answers quickly. It's fast, easy, and available now at studentdoctor.net. Of course, please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds or of the Wright State University Boonshoff School of Medicine. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone, and have a great week. For our entire staff here at Radio Rounds, I'm Imran Ali, and one day I'll be your doctor.